Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, uh, my name's Bill. Welcome to Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kHz on your AM dial. That was Oh the River by the Zen Circus and Brian Rich. Uh, thanks to Ruminations for another great show, uh, highlighting issues around homelessness. Um, for the next hour on, on Living Free Show, my guests will be talking about the local movement that's trying to establish a trial medically supervised injecting centre in North Richmond. I'd like to welcome Judy Ryan, the Secretary of the Residence of Victoria Street Drug Solutions. Hi, Bill. Greg. G'day, how are you? And Lorraine. Hello, Bill. To the 3CR studio this afternoon. Uh, we'll be discussing the issues around the Medically Supervised Injecting Centre, or MSIC, and the planned March to Save Lives rally, which will be held on Sunday the 26th of August, and we'll have more about that later. Um, basically, um, your group came about because of government inaction. Uh, in relation to heroin users overdosing in Richmond streets. Um, and the community's response, I think, was probably unusual in that it it didn't want to punish the people. It wanted to solve the problem. So, Judy, would you like to tell us a bit more about the Victoria Street Drug Solutions group and what your aim is? Thanks, Bill. About 12 months ago, it became extremely obvious to me that we were experiencing an escalating uh, injecting drug issue uh, problem, crisis even, in our neighbourhood of North Richmond and Abbotsford. Uh, the, for me as a human being, it was extremely confronting and it just got to the point where I felt I could not avert my eyes anymore and... Uh, so fortunately, the uh, local government elections were on the horizon in October and I just thought it was an opportunity to do a bit of market research in terms of ascertaining how many people in the community actually cared about this. So I decided to stand as a candidate, an independent candidate in the city of Yarra, uh, in the Langridge Ward, which encompasses part of this um, uh, drug-using area. And I had also done a bit of research into supervised injecting centres in Sydney and in across the world. And what absolutely uh, was my feeling, this the, none of these centres had experienced one fatal overdose. Heaps of overdoses, but because that it was medically supervised people who were injecting drugs who overdosed were resuscitated. I did not want these people injecting in my laneway to die. It's just unacceptable from every perspective of my value system. So I decided after a lot of, you know, thought and ang angst, because it is a pretty scary thing going out as an independent, self-funded person, uh, just standing on one issue, but I went to the election standing on a trial of a medically supervised injecting centre in North Richmond. So it was pretty basic, uh, but I just wanted to get a feel for the mood of the uh, neighbourhood and um, 
the outcome whilst I wasn't elected to the council, but I was given a, an absolutely unequivocal support from my immediate neighbours that they agreed with me that this was an issue that needed better management, more humane management than CCTVs and more undercover policing and a, a punitive approach, and they actually wanted uh, a, a, an sick as well. Right. So... Um... <clears throat> So how many people now do you have in your, your group? Uh, well, we have about a 1,000 likes on our Facebook page. <laughs> we have uh, a core group of about 14 who sort of we call our branch or our executive who does strategic management. Our role also, Bill, is to educate our community. A lot of people still don't know what a, an MSIC is. They like the sound of it and they like the concept, but for us, a key part of what we do as a group, as a community independent group, is to work with our neighbours to educate them. So in terms of numbers, uh, we've had about four community meetings so far with probably, you know, maybe and a fundraising night, about two or 300 people on the ground there, plus you know, other people who love what we do but can't make the meeting. So, look, yeah. can you, Greg or Well, I think what I'd, I'd like to jump in and, and talk a little bit more about the educational side of things in that uh, the community forums, they were called community meetings but now forums. Uh, earlier on, we were very lucky or fortunate to receive some funding from City of Yarra to help support roll out more of these forums with the yeah. idea of gradually bringing in some uh, specialised speakers and so forth. They're held once a month uh, because until people either see the situation for themselves from the human impact side of things, and then our job then is to follow that up with as Judy has just said, the education around these uh, uh, centres. And, you know, as we all know in this room, there there are 30 or 40 years of uh, of uh, these centres operating and operating successfully around the world. And they operate, when I say successfully, clearly it doesn't eradicate drug use. It's not about that, but it is about a humane approach f- and which, from a less altruistic perspective, I guess it's, it cleans up our laneways and our bin areas and so forth. So as residents, we can say, well, our, our, we've got our neighbourhood back again. That's a selfish uh, response, but I, I'm not no saint. I have these these feelings every now and again. But in the bigger picture, it's, it's really about getting the, the human story behind why people are in this dire situation. And then we follow on with these forums to educate people around the, the role that M6 can play uh, in, in not only saving lives, but through the counselling and support services that are most often attached with these centres, the hope that some of these people can be helped away from, from this, this horrid, tra- traumatic life that no one in their right mind wouldn't continue to choose to no, live. No, once it, once it becomes drug abuse, yeah. it becomes a problem. Uh, and living free is about living free of drugs and alcohol when they become a problem. If they're not a problem, it doesn't matter. But for somebody who has a problem, then really society has a responsibility to respond. Um, So, Greg. Yeah. What would you like to say as as a resident, as a concerned resident, about the problem that you have in your streets? I suppose the way that we came at it was that there was a lot of interest about what to do. Mm. And 
in terms of you know wanting to do something, it was like, well, what is the problem here? And the problem is that there are people who have got to a point in their lives where turning to drugs and and being in the control of drugs has has become their lifestyle. And so really for me, the solution was about understanding that. It wasn't about sort of sweeping them away because then just the next wave would come through. So in understanding that, you, you, you start learning about the, um, the situations that many of the people taking drugs are in. And, you know, part of that's also about getting to know them. Mm. Um, I found it very confronting initially coming across people taking drugs on the streets and the garages and the laneways and... When I finally sort of started speaking with them, I found that, you know, they would open up very quickly. And one of the first things, like even even this morning, I came across a guy who uh, had overdosed on the street. And, you know, the first thing that you feel is, you know, real concern for their well-being. And you, you want to know if they're okay. And once he was lucid, I wanted to learn he was okay, that he had somewhere to go, that he had someone to look after him. All those things. And the more you actually show a sort of a genuine compassion and an understanding, the more they will speak. And in speaking, I've learnt that almost all the drug takers I've come across have suffered some sort of trauma in their life, be it a physical trauma or an emotional trauma. They've come from very, very traumatised family situations or they've experienced trauma later in their life through a car accident or something like that, which has meant that um, drugs, painkillers have come into their lives and in some instances, they've been stopped suddenly because the phys- physician has said, oh, we can't prescribe these anymore, and the pain has returned. And for them to just manage that pain, they've turned to, you know, illicit substances. It's, I mean, they're not illicit substances. They're exactly the same substances they were prescribed. It's just that they're buying it illicitly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it then becomes, you know, a pattern in their lives. It's not being managed. They're not being looked after and, you know, other things have often sort of intervened, you know, a loss, a loss of uh, a, marriage, a marriage breakdown or a loss of a house or something else has happened in their lives and they've just – the drug has become their crutch. And as a society, we've failed these people because the services that they require are no longer there to well, – whether they've ever been there, I don't know. But currently they're not there to give them the support they need to be able to get their lives back on track. So they've – They've fallen between the, the cracks. And the, the people taking drugs who are most visible in our community are the ones that have no resources. We're very aware of many, many people taking drugs who will drive into the area, make their purchase, go home and inject safe, or relatively safely. What we witness, what we see, and I think what the community begins to identify as a person taking drugs mm. are the people who've got to, it's like the end of the spectrum, and they are now highly visible because they're disheveled, they're, they're living in unsanitary ways, they're, they're going down lanes in, in, in really diabolical circumstances to inject drugs and it's not safe, it's not good and I think anyone in our community who sees this just feels compassion and wants, wants feels care and concern and wants the best to happen for these people. We don't want them to be swept up by um, ambulances all the time and taken away and then only to find their way back. We want something that is local that they can access and they can, they can take drugs safely, but they can then find their way to rehabilitation services. So as Judy says, a medically supervised injecting centre, an MSIC, provides this. It doesn't encourage more drug takers to come to our area it looks after those that are in our area and it provides 
safe facilities and resources for them to get their lives back on track. And anyone who's who's actually stopped and looked into this, I think, really realises that this is such a, a sensible, humane, rational um, uh, measure. And um, why has that not been in place for the last mm. 30 or 40 years? Yes. And look, I'd just like to further to Greg's, um, what he just said, we, as we do get to know these people and we tell them that we're from the residence group and we support the trial of a supervising jeeting centre, would they use one? And they all say yes. Yeah. They yeah. show you their arms and say, who wants to live like this? They acknowledge their illness. They acknowledge they need help. But where to go, how to get there, you know, it's just unless you're sort of wrapped with a loving family with a bit of financial support, what, what happens to these people? So, you know, we know, we've done our market research, we yes. know that they will use it if, it if it's established. And this becomes harm minimisation, it becomes saving lives. And, you know, we've also been fortunate to meet people who have been able to get their lives back on mm. track and they're now really contributing, um, you know, valuable people in our community. And, you know, they've got families and, you know, those families could have lost a father or a brother or a sister if they hadn't been in a situation where they were able to get help. And we're seeing so many individuals who are not able to, to access the help who, you know, are finding themselves in really unfortunate situations, sometimes dying, sometimes, you know, through loss of oxygen to the brain, sort of all sorts of other complications come in and, you know... Their situation can be much, much worse. And uh, a medically supervised injecting centre, which I'm sure we'll talk about more a little later, um, offers so much to this um, this terrible spectrum that we're looking at. Yeah. Well, this uh, Living Freeze focus is drug and alcohol, and we we often interview drug users, who've heroin users, ice users, who've come come good, come off it, and really they turn their lives around and mm. they become you know very very uh, engaged in helping other mm. people in similar situations who want to stop, mm. not people who don't want to stop, but people who want to stop to find an alternative and to get off the drugs. And, um, and as you say, it's those lives that are saved or turned around you know, become really powerful examples mm. to people of what they can do. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And off air, uh, Bill, I was telling you I have two nephews um, who di- have died from heroin overdose. Ewan died in 1996, he was age 21, and Rick died in 2003, he was age 27. And, you know, we often think about those boys that were young, that if they had done, you know, overdose in a supervised setting, they would have been, re, you know, alive and rehabilitated and they would have, could have been exactly what you were describing, mm. you know, ambassadors for this sort of, um, you know, change of lifestyle. Yeah. Mm. Um, Lorraine, you're, you're telling me about um, an encounter you had with a painter. Do you <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very, it's a very powerful and relevant uh, to this interview. I, I've actually been out of Melbourne for a week or so on a project I'm working on and today's my first day back. And within one hour this morning, it was like, welcome back to your neighbourhood, Lorraine. <laughs> first uh, began with uh, coming across a painter who's working in one of the units in my apartment block and I was about to put rubbish in the bin and he said, oh, careful, love. There was just someone in there injecting and there's blood and stuff. And I went, oh, that's okay. I'm part of the residence group. And I pointed to our posters on the, the wall. And this guy was probably in his late 40s, um, 
etc. And he he just went. Oh, I I didn't know what to do. You know, he was an old guy, and you know, I I felt in the end I felt really sorry for him. I wanted to give him a chair or something. He said, you know, I, you know, I've never really thought about it. I, I just always dismiss it all because they're junkies. And and he said, I, but this I felt really sorry. He just kept saying, I felt really sorry. I felt really sad for this guy. I didn't know what to, you know. And he's an old guy, and he was blood. And I said, well, I said, look, this is who I am and what this group's about. And he's looking at me and he's going, what? So. Are you a government group or a funded or are you politically aligned? I went, no, no, no. I said, we're a bunch of residents and we are dealing with this on a daily basis mm. and and what we're, what we're advocating and using every angle we can is to get the government of either persuasion to agree to a trial of a medically supervised injecting centre. And he said... Well, I, 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 I can't believe I'm, you know, I've really changed my mind just experiencing what I've experienced now. Because it is a, going back to that whole thing about the human, the face of it, the human story of it. And he said, you know, why wouldn't he just go take his drugs and go home? And I said, well, he probably isn't, hasn't got a home to go to. Mm. You know, most people who end up, as Greg said before, at the end, that low bottom end of the spectrum don't have the home to go to. They don't have the support family. They may have burnt those bridges a long time ago, dislocated themselves from their community, whatever. But my point to this guy was like, yeah, look, not too many people end up in this place, in this situation from happy stories, you know. And he was just, he was, it was incredibly profound, the impact it had on him. And then about an hour later, I was down at the park and there were two younger um, people about to they're setting up to inject down at the children's playground, and I thought about it, and I just went, "Oh, I'm not going to say anything." And then I went, "Oh, hang on." I said, "Oh, hang on. Hey, guys, I'm not a cop. Don't worry. I'm I'm, I'm part of a residence group." Da 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 da. And I said, "Look, you know, if we had a had a, a medically supervised injecting centre, would you use it?" And they just both went, "Yeah." He said, "I've you know, if we if we pass out down here, who knows? You know, I said I've had 14 overdoses." Three of which, three of which I needed Narcan to bring me back, you know. And I, I said, well, that's what we're fighting for, you know. Come to the rally on Sunday, uh, and be part of the community that's pushing for this. Um, yeah. So they they were in really powerful uh, kind of bookend stories within an hour of each other, and that is the daily lives mm-hmm. of us as residents, or we as residents, and then 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 some, which is the other end of the spectrum of dealing with overdoses and CPR and yeah. and so on and you know by default becoming providing life first responders, first responders yeah. and life saving yeah. you know in the first instance and that's that shouldn't be happening in in you know Melbourne supposedly the world's most livable, livable city, city. That's right. people are dying in the world's most livable city in the gutters and in the laneways yeah. tell me how that is the most livable city for anyone yeah. people at the end of it and the people in the community mm. yeah. Okay, well, thank you for that. Um, we've just come to the point where we usually have a song, so I'll cut to a song, and we'll be back shortly. Smiley. Hi. Uh, welcome back. Uh, that was a song called Won't You Come Around by Paul Kelly. Uh, you're listening to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial, and 3CR on digital radio. My guests in the studio today are Judy Ryan, Greg and Lorraine, all from... Uh, residents of Victoria Street Drug Solutions and we're discussing the proposed trial of a medically supervised injecting centre in North Richmond and the planned march on Sunday the 26th of August. Uh, Judy, so the solution 
we, we know the problem. The problem is drug users dying in our local streets in real terms. And so the, the solution is really to have a, a harm minimisation. And the best sort of harm minimisation for this situation is... A medically supervised injecting centre. It's one, it's one measure. And we've never ever said, Bill, that it was the what the politicians call a silver bullet, but it's a harm minimisation measure that has not been tried. They've tried CCTVs, which isn't a harm minimisation. It's a management tool, uh, undercover policing and punitive measures. So none of those things have worked for decades. So we know that the Medically Supervised Injecting Centre is a proven evidence-based measure, harm reduction measure, that should be trialled. And that's all we're asking. So last year when I um, stood for council on this issue, I actually hadn't been to Sydney to see the supervised injecting centre. So I'd read about it and one's in Portugal and, you know, Germany and other countries. So uh, once I had received the support from the community in votes, I was in Sydney one weekend and I did visit the centre and look at really surprised me even though I'd done a lot of research what surprised me was the humanity of it the compassion of the staff how calm it was Um, living in North Richmond Abbotsford with people scoring their drugs and running into laneways or streets you know there's always that sense of chaos Um, but walking into the supervised centre in Sydney um, people are treated with dignity humanity their, their addiction is acknowledged and it's treated medically. They even show them how to do it properly to save, save damaging lives. animals, yeah. to save their lives. And um, so, and then with the, you know, once they do, if they do overdose, that they are um, resuscitated and then moved into the, and, and this is a really key thing for people out there listening, is that it's not just about people injecting and being resuscitated. The key is keeping them alive so then they're referred to rehab services. And that is the key part to this these centres. They don't just send them on their way. They actually engage with them in terms of Centrelink, homelessness, um, sexually transmitted diseases, all of those things. They can, it's a one-stop shop. Right. So they're actually – appointments are made – and and they they acknowledge that they need help, and that's when they leave that centre, they survive the the injection. Plus, they've got some hope, and I think that is for me was a take home me- uh, message. When I left there, I just thought, I'm getting one of these in my backyard. I am, yeah. and I'm absolutely. I have not changed my mind. Yeah. That is yeah. that is why I'm here yeah. is to get one, and I'm going to get one. All you politicians listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, but Greg's been to the Sydney Injecting Centre as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, it was a fascinating trip, and I, I think one of the things that is uh, really important about the establishment of a medically supervised injecting centre is it does need to happen through state legislation because what is created is a space where it is not illegal to be carrying, possessing, or self-administering small amounts of, um, you know, otherwise illicit substances. So in New South Wales, there is like one room in the entire state where it's not illegal to carry a small amount of heroin. It's, it's, it is not legal to deal inside those premises. 
Um, and so there is a sort of a, a quite a strange situation, I suppose, where people still have to procure their own uh, drugs for personal use. But once they take it into the centre, they're able to administer it themselves and be looked after by the medically tra- trained staff. And I think that's important to recognise because people are saying that, well, this is an illegal activity. What we're lobbying for is, is for that activity not to be illegal. And so there is a whole sort of continuum of, of drug cycle and there's a whole range of arguments about that drug cycle. We're not looking at addressing that right now. What we're saying is that people are dying on our streets because they're not able to be looked after at a critical point of you know, take, taking drugs. They're going to take drugs anyway. And unfortunately, if what they've got is not good, then they're going to inject it down a laneway around a corner uh, in an unsafe way, in an unsafe place, and, it, and they could lose their lives doing that. By having a medically supervised injecting centre, people are able to have their habits, I suppose, monitored in some respect because the number of times that they visit there, the drugs they're going to be taking sort of performs part of their file. Um, they're able to then move inside the centre and administer for themselves. They're not allowed to be helped. Um, and if what they've taken um, has no adverse effects, they're able to sort of go through into the third stage recovery area and, and then once they're feeling, feeling okay, sort of go back out onto the streets. Um, but if something adverse happens during that process, then there, there are medically trained staff on hand to, to resuscitate them. And the resuscitation can either be the simple um, introduction of oxygen um, because one of the biggest risks is stopping breathing and and basically brain death. Uh, or if there is a, a sort of like a, an, over, an overdose scenario happening, then Narcan can be introduced. And Narcan can be in- introduced in a really small quantity. Um, Ambos at the moment sort of come across someone who's overdosed and they've got no idea how long they've been lying there, how much they took, what to do. So whack, they hit them with a massive dose of, of Narcan, which can have some adverse effects on um, the person who's suddenly revived and, and the Ambos have been doing the revival. So the, the whole thing is supervised and the person is looked after. And, you know, what we're seeing in our streets are people who are taking drugs anyway. And what we're saying is that these people... They're wanting, as Judy says, when we meet them, they're just saying they, they just want this to end. And unfortunately, they're on a cycle. And unfortunately, they're saying, you know, we'll start tomorrow. You know, we'll just have one more hit and then then we'll start. This is a centre where they can go, they can be safe, they, they won't be risking their lives, and they can actually be introduced in that instant with ways of rehabilitating. And, you know, as everyone has said there's about 100 centres around the world and there has not been one life lost to an overdose in any of these centres. And rehabilitation is something that a lot of these centres really pride themselves on because they're creating an environment where they can start the healing for the person, they can address the issues the person has, uh, is confronting and they can assist them through to recovery. And they can go on, as you've said, to live a really full life and, and possibly be an advocate for others and a real role model and demonstrate you know, what the future can bring. So I was switched on by my visit to the MSIC in Sydney, as you can hear. But similarly, not similarly, I, I had also been living in Sydney sort of 25 years ago. And what I had seen then was a situation not dissimilar to what I'm seeing in Richmond at the moment, but in many ways Richmond is much worse. 
Um, and living amongst it in Sydney at the time, we were sort of confronted with the same things, people t- you know, injecting in front, front yards, etc. Everyone's looking for a tap. Um, no one had anywhere to go, and there were deaths on the street. It, it, main, it created like areas that were quite squalid because they were the areas that were favoured by you know, drug takers, and they became areas that you really didn't feel safe walking through and you, you know, quite obviously avoided. Um, when I was back there earlier this year and sort of looked at the supervised, the medically supervised injecting centre, I decided to go for a walk around the cross and took myself down laneways that I'd never go down before and was just completely amazed to find that these laneways were now different spaces. They had been cleaned up. They had, you know, um, pot plants and greenery growing. Some had cafes. Many had families living on them, and I just walked around the cross thinking this is not the place that I remember 25 years ago. And in part, that's really what I'm looking for through the introduction of an MSIC. Safety and amenity have been the two words that I've kept using mm. because <clears throat> I, want, I want Richmond to be a place that is safe, safe for those that live here, safe for those that visit, and safe for those that work there. And... By creating safety on the street, you can begin to bring back the amenity to the suburb. People are not afraid of being on the streets. People are not afraid of being out. Residents are not being traumatised by coming across people who are taking drugs or, or overdose. You know, we're not wanting to solve this by sweeping this problem away. We're wanting to solve this by actually picking up the people who are broken and saying, you know, there is a caring way that this can be fixed and instituting a medically supervised injecting centre and providing them with that safety themselves so in turn that safety can be sort of realised on the street so that the residents can be happier, the traders can, you know, once again sort of see their businesses flourish further um, and, you know, we can all be living in the suburb that we want to be living in. Mm. Can I just jump in there for a minute too? I think and a key word with all this is supervised. We, um, in our... In Abbotsford and North Richmond, we have a there's a toilet block, and we call mm. it the unsupervised <laughs> injecting centre, and it's it's notorious. It's on the corner of Lithgow and Victoria Street, and I had an experience about three months ago, just walking home from work on a sunny afternoon about three thirty, and a woman had collapsed outside the unsupervised injecting centre. Uh, her partner was very upset, and I rang triple O, and the markers came. The ambulance, uh, the big two marker units, an ambulance unit, and a fire brigade truck, because as the first responder, they turn up as well. So we had four units and about eight professionals who worked on this woman who died. So I was there with this mm. woman, three thirty in May in Melbourne. And I just said to the ambulance, the paramedic, you know, this is just crazy. And he, he said, it's insane. He said, this has got to stop. At that time, the bell went at Abbotsford Primary School, which is about 30 metres away, and little kids were coming home on their scooters, seeing this woman dead on the street. Um, you know, it's just so confronting. I think people forget when they talk about residents, they always think they're people like Greg and... Lorraine and I in terms of you know age and stage and experience but residents also include little children and the elderly who are confronted by this and they Mm. um, they are scared by it they're distressed by it and quite frankly Bill it's very traumatizing for us all Mm. you know living with this on a constant basis and I'm still every time I walk past that corner it's for me and I'm pretty experienced with this stuff 
It was just horrendous to think that woman took her last breath on this earth with a stranger like me outside a disgusting toilet block. Mm. You know, it's really, tragic, isn't it? yeah, it's yeah. totally tragic. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that leads to the question that um, do you have a lot of support from the um, ambulance, police, and fire? Are they so oh, abso- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we've we've had a lot of conversations both informally and then more publicly, uh, particularly with the ambulance um, uh, group. And we've had uh, Danny Hill come out and speak with us at one of our community forums. Uh, and he'll, he's just been a constant supporter. And, and I, I was just thinking as Judy and Greg were speaking about those sides of it, we've been the last two weekends um, undertaking a massive letter drop box uh, around the, 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 the inner city part of Yarra with a view of promoting the rally this coming Sunday. And what I f- have found in doing those kind of activities, by and large, enormous support for what we're doing. But my, in my brain, I've always got my fallback argument, my fallback discussion point, uh, which is that if, if we – and we aren't going to convince everyone of the humanity and the decency of, of, of this approach. And so my fallback argument is to talk about the economics of it. Yeah. And, and so this is coming to the question about the ambos and the fire and mm. – Okay, let's talk about that. So one overdose requires all of those services, which means they're not available for you or your grandmother or your auntie who has a heart attack or falls over and breaks her hip or whatever because they're caught up doing this. And I'm sure Judy and Greg will correct me if this is wrong, but in the uh, one of the many uh, independently audited reports about the Sydney MSIC is stating that uh, within the first 12 months of operations... Oh, three weeks. Within the first yep. three weeks uh, of operation, the ambulance call-outs to the area dropped by 80%. Mm. 80%. Yeah. You know, just so do the maths on it, everyone. If you're not yeah. going to buy into the humanity mm. of it, do the maths of the economics of it. Government, do the economics on it. And M6, importantly, now that I'm onto the economics argument, are not funded by our taxpayer dollars. Well, the one in Sydney hasn't been, I should say. I don't know the international models. Mm. So it's not going to take away money for what would normally have been going to other areas of the health Hospitals, department. schools. The, yeah. 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 The one in Sydney is funded by the proceeds of crime. Sale of confiscated proce- proceeds. Yeah, co- confiscated proceeds yeah. of whatever that you know. The things that have been stolen got back from the police and they sell them. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's how the MC in Sydney is funded. So it, it's a win-win economically on, on both p- sides of the ledger. Mm. Mm. Yes. Always important to remember the economic side as well. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I don't need that to convince me. But, you know, as I said, some people, and that's their point of view, they're not going to buy into the humanity of it or the decency of what I would call the decency of our our platform. But it's a completely legitimate side to talk about the economics as well. And I think our politicians always like to pride themselves on their you know proficiency at budget management. But on this issue, they've got heaps of money to throw around. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't buy that at all. No, no. Okay, uh, we're up to another break. Um, my guests on the radio show today are Judy Ryan, Greg on Lorraine, and we're discussing the proposed trial of a medically supervised injecting centre in North Richmond and a planned march on Sunday the 26th of August. Sunday the 27th of August, I'd Is correct it? that. Oh, and okay. either way, it's this Sunday. This mm. Sunday, right, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so you're listening to Living Free on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Uh, now, I understand you have a Facebook site, correct? We do, yes, indeed. 
I think um, any group that is really trying to um, generate community interest and community action um, jumps on Facebook these days, and we've certainly been using that. Um, if you get on Facebook and just search for Victoria Street Drug Solutions, then you'll find us coming up very quickly. We've currently almost up to a 1,000 followers, which has been really exciting. We've been sort of adding about 100 a week recently. So if a few listeners out there would like to join that uh, Facebook page and, and click us over 1,000 today, Ooh. we'll be um, popping the cork. <laughs> um, we've <laughs> also got a major KPI. <laughs> yes, a major KPI, indeed. Mm. Um, we've also got um, a great web page, which is www.vicstreetdrugsolutions.org. And there's tremendous resources there online. You can also get through to our both our Facebook page and our Twitter feed there as well. Um, yeah, but on the on the web page it has updates about everything that we're doing. It's got a really fabulous wealth of resources. It's got access to the parliamentary petition online, uh, which is supporting the uh, trial of a, a medically supervised injecting centre. And it's also got suggestions for things that people can be doing, such as emailing their local uh, state parliamentarian. Etc. Right. Thank you very much. Um, now, Judy, um, your group, and you in particular, I think, have been doing a lot of media of late. I've seen a bit in the papers, a number of papers, um, and, and one of those is The Wall. Do you want to talk about The Wall? Yeah, um, The Wall's... Uh was a bit of a fantasy. You know, when you're a community group, you have fantasies about things that you'd really love but realise you've limited because people are working in other jobs and we're limited funds. But this was a um, a project that we sort of discussed about four months ago. Um, and anyway, after a lot of toing and froing and working out and you know, workshopping the, the message two amazing um, young artists. There's one's called Ling and the other one's called Mayonnaise, uh, known as Mayo, um, produced that beautiful piece of artwork which your listeners can find on the corner of Little Charles and Victoria Street in Abbotsford. It's at the back of the Hive Shopping Centre. Okay. Um, and it's called, it, it, the, the wording is, You Talk, We Die. And um, the, the, behind that is the fact that for decades, all governments, state governments, have thought about this, they've talked about it, they've had inquiries, they've gone overseas to invest, in, investigate medically supervised injecting centres overseas, uh, and nothing's happened. In fact, 20 years ago, Steve Brax, with John Thwaites as a health minister, came to government promising five supervised injecting wow. centres in Melbourne. Yeah. Yep. I remember uh, the Pennington. Yeah, that well, was, it's, yeah. that's 20 yeah. years ago. Wow. Jeff Kennett, when he was Premier, yeah. commissioned the Pennington Report yeah. and he recommended safe houses, they were called then, 20 years ago. So here we are in Melbourne's – in Victor or the, the world's, world's most livable city – with all the promises and all the talking, but absolutely no action, except mm. that people are dying. And when we talk about you talk, that's the par- the parliamentary parliamentarians, the we die are the people obviously who've died, including two of my nephews. Um, the community is, you know, as I said before, we're traumatised and it's it kills a bit of your spirit when you suffer trauma. The families of the people who've died, they're dying, you know, from their grief. And also the traders, the people that have commercial interests in the area, you know, that's a real struggle for them. So we need to move on from the 
you talk, we die, to you talk, you act and right. support. These people are elected to care for the citizens of this state and it's not happening. It's not happening. And we want it to happen. And the other thing, Bill, and your listeners need to know, we are not making this up. Three coroners in the last five months have recommended the establishment of a medically supervised injecting centre in North Richmond, Abbotsford. So when you've got top legal minds who investigate these deaths and they are recommending absolutely unequivocally these things need to be supported, all we're doing, it's ironic really, that a residence group that's not funded by anybody, we have sausage sizzles, we are taking the role here of forcing our elected representatives in a representative democracy, all we want them to do is enact what coroners want. Mm. If you want to just synthesise it down, that's all we're doing. Yeah. And it so, requires an act of parliament, doesn't it? It does, it yeah. does. And it's, it's an amendment to the current act that's to deal with toxic um, substances. And in Sydney, they just had an amendment uh, to that bill. Uh, and so, you know, they could do it tomorrow. They really could do it. Well, they've been talking long enough about it. I'm mm. sure someone could dust off a draft somewhere that they could find and say, yeah, we could do that. You know, yeah. it's... It's it's, and, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And what also is a no-brainer is we really encourage at any time, but particularly leading up to the rally, if anyone's heading down Richmond, North Abbotsford Way on the 109 or the 12 or otherwise on their bikes, stop in and see the mural. It's, 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 it's both beautiful. It's beautiful. It's extraordinarily sad, but it's beautiful. It's great provocative art. It's political art. It's um, it's a powerful symbol and it's a powerful message and it's beautiful. And we want people to stop in there, take selfies and then post them up onto to our Facebook page and so on. Um, I think it's going to become a, a, a real – it just seems absurd to be but, – but a real gathering point for – for a whole range of people that it will have a, a resonance with the message and a resonance with what it represents. Um, so we really encourage people to get down there and take a look at it and yeah. take a photo and let us know yeah. about yeah. it. Yes, so perhaps people could get down to our rally on Sunday just oh, you know, 15 minutes early and, and pop by and have a look and yeah. then um, come and join us down at uh, Jonas Street at 10.30 on Sunday. And Jonas Street's just the uh, just parallel to the North Richmond uh, train station. That's right, those. right next door to North yeah. Richmond train station. There'll be lots of people there sort of showing the way, marshalling the crowds. Lots of people crowds. in purple, in fact. Yeah. Ah. We're encouraging people to wear purple because okay. purple is the colour of uh, international overdose awareness, which is happening on the 31st of August. Um, and purple has become the colour that we're asking people to wear at the rally. So if you're coming down on Sunday, please grab yourself your purple shirt or your purple jumper. Or a scarf, uh, the, Or your scarf. Yeah. And there's, there are still a few of our purple uh, medically supervised injecting centre T-shirts uh, still available. You can either jump online or if you're really lucky, there might be a couple of left, left on the day. Yeah, and we're, we're not just being euphemistic here. They literally are only a few left. Mm. Mm. So get in early now. Right. So, yes, we're kicking off at uh, 10.30 on Sunday and we're asking people to get down there and um, experience what will be, you know, quite a profound experience. Yeah. We've, got, we've, uh, we've got people, as I said earlier on, uh, from all parts of Victoria, from all walks of life, who have been contacting us and um, saying that they want to be part of this rally. It's really, really important to them, to their communities, to their families 
to for them to be showing support. And the good news is, folks, as much as we our, our artwork on the, the wall in Little Charles Street says, you talk, we die, is we're actually not having any politicians talking on the day. We're having a group of very, very um, critical uh, in, in critically important people to to this whole sad and sorry situation, and and Judy's going to tell us a little bit about what who those people might mm. be and what role they're playing on the day. Well, one of the um, byproducts of our of our campaign, Bill, is we have been contacted by many families, grieving families, who have not found support in the community. Um, often, people who use drugs are stigmatised and when they, even when they're alive, but when they die, the families are also stigmatised and they find it very, very hard to talk about about their pain. Um, and I know some families who actually don't tell people the truth when mm. they talk about a, a deceased child or sibling. You know, they say they died in a car accident or something that's perhaps more honourable. Yeah. And that's a tragedy in itself. It's just an ongoing, you know, pain. So we just invite anybody who's listening who would like to come. Uh, we're um, families who have experienced grief or individuals who've experienced grief are invited to walk at the front of the march. Oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah. yeah, to we acknowledge that they um, have special uh, well, needs in many respects, but also they are also very welcome to bring a photograph of their loved one. Uh, to carry in the rally, um, just to keep it human. This is all about human beings, about people who are loved, who belong to someone, and everybody who dies leaves someone who will miss them. A it lot of people, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And we just mustn't forget about, forget this. And one of the key, I think, features, the poignant aspect of our street art, we've included on the street art 34 names of people who have died from overdoses, um, not necessarily always from that area. They're just people we know. We've included their names. So there are 34 names in gold acrylic paint. If you go there in the afternoon and the sun's shining, they glitter on the wall. It's a reminder that this is about people. Mm. And the reason that there's 34 uh, names there is that that represents the number of people who've died in the city of Yarra in the last 12 to 18 months from overdose. The number statewide is far, far higher. About 190 statewide. That's yeah. right. But, you know, not a, not a brag here that City of Yarra, you know, has the lion's share mm. percentage-wise at the moment uh, in the last years, and that's increasing. So 34 names represent the 34 that have died uh, in City of Yarra. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so what, what else can people do? I'm um, So they can come to the rally, they can join your group. Is there anything, sign the petition? Is yep. It, uh, well, as I said before, we have got a Facebook page, so please join us on Facebook and please also check out the uh, website, vicstreetdrugsolutions.org. We've got all our resources there, our forthcoming meetings and other events are all, all, all kept there. We also have got a lot of our media. On the website, you will find you know a, a lot of information, particularly around anything that's been in the newspaper, on radio or in on TV, and there's been quite a bit across all those, all those media. Um, but yeah, our focus really is on this this coming Sunday. We're inviting people to join us at ten thirty. At eleven o'clock, we'll be marching down uh, Victoria Street. It is going to be an orderly procession. Uh, we're not trying to uh, create a um, a political protest. We're just wanting to demonstrate that we're a group of people who have a very heartfelt 
uh, feeling about wanting to do something that's going to be really effective to transform our neighbourhood and to save lives, you know, the needless loss of lives at the moment. We'll be moving down Victoria Street and then turning right into Lenox Street. Then partway down Lenox Street, there's a Lenox Street Park, and and there we're going to hear from some speakers. And as Judy said, those speakers are going to be drawn from our community and also drawn from families that have lost loved ones through drug overdose. <clears throat> At the end of the day, we're going to encourage people to disperse and actually go back into Victoria Street and enjoy you know, the riches of Victoria Street. It's a fabulous precinct. It's got great restaurants, great cafes great places to recreate and so we're really encouraging people okay you've you've come to join us to share with us the experience, the 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 sentiment that we're wanting to improve this neighborhood and now can you please go back and you know invest your money in in a cup of coffee or a, a nice lunch you know yeah. and um you know speak to others speak to the traders keep the conversation going i think that's one of the most important things and we're we're really looking through facebook and twitter to ensure that the conversation keeps going and that we carry forward the momentum that we've built to this point this is sort of only really a staging point we'll be able to demonstrate the massive support that we have but we need to be able to carry that momentum forward and we look forward to support coming from all quarters and and carrying it forward all the way to the election because let's not forget, this is a political issue. There's an election coming up. So this is a strong message to both mm. sides of government because it's a parliamentary decision that needs to happen. Yep. Uh, and we really do want a bipartisan approach on this. Mm. You know, that's mm. really important. Mm. Yep. So the final call to action, of course, would, as Greg mentioned before, get on the email, email your local member about your, your, your desire, your, your commitment to a, a medically supervised injecting centre in North Richmond and Abbotsford. It has to happen sooner than later. 34 deaths, how many more? Mm. Yep. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you very much for sharing with us Thank your you for experience. the opportunity, Bill. Yeah. That's great. And we look forward to seeing your listeners on Sunday. Yes, me too. Uh, okay, well, that's all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Greg and Lorraine for coming to talk about community activism to save lives of injecting drug users. So thank you all. Thank you. Um, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week for more discussion on issues related to improving the lives of drug and alcohol users or abusers. Um, Stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio, hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news and views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Thanks for listening to Living Free program today. And to take us out, we've got a song called uh, Beat the Drum by Zen, the Zen Circus and Brian Rich.